All right, greetings everybody. This is Brian Pugh with Sports Force Baseball. You are tuning in right now to our uncommitted Q&A. Uh, it is just a little bit before noon. We are going to take a quick pause, let the rest of our panelists jump on board here, give them permission to speak, and give everybody else a chance to get signed in. So bear with us just a couple minutes. We'll be back and we are ready to answer the questions that you have. Um, feel free to go ahead and follow uh, myself, Coach Katz, Coach Bishop, Coach Kelly, uh, who you see on here, um, and the Sports Force account as well on Twitter. And you can actually DM us questions if you like, uh, but we'll have an open Q&A uh, going and we'll even uh, give people a chance to raise hands. So we'll be back here in just a couple minutes. Looking forward to it. All right, all right, all right. We are back again uh, with the Twitter, uh, excuse me, the Sports Force Baseball uncommitted Q&A Twitter space. Uh, we are just a little bit past noon here on the East Coast, 9 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, and depending on where else you might be, uh, you know what time it is where you are. So <clears throat> let's, uh, let's saddle up. We're going to go through some quick introductions here of our panelists and um, but we want to make sure that uh, we leave the bulk of the time for uh, questions and for us to uh, respond to your to your questions and give you the insight on on our end. So I'll start things off again. My name is Brian Pugh. I am a college recruiting advisor here at Sports Force Baseball, have been with the company since uh, February, uh, I guess, February um, and, and joined on quite honestly because Sports Force and I share the same mission with this recruiting process, and that's helping student athletes and families find the right fit. I'm a former Division I athlete at the University of Maine, uh, former 20-year college coach um, at every level with the exception of NAIA. 
um, and have been a recruiting coordinator uh, at the Division One level as well, uh, as recently as 2021. So that's a little bit on my background. I'm going to pass the mic over to uh, Coach Jesse Katz and let him introduce himself real quick. Coach Katz, go ahead. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Jesse Katz. I'm a consultant for SportsForce. I've been with SportsForce for about three weeks now. Um, I've been coaching at the collegiate level for the past seven years, uh, most recently as a recruiting coordinator at the Division II level. Um, prior to that, I spent five years at the NAIA level. So very excited to, uh, for the opportunity to educate um, prospective student-athletes on the recruiting process. Um, it's been a very important part of my journey, not only as a college coach, but also as a, as a college athlete myself. Um, so feel free to, you know, give me some questions in the DMs, follow me on Twitter, and I'm excited to answer any questions as we go on here today. Coach Bishop, you're up. Fire away. What's going on, everybody? Coach Zach Bishop here. Uh, new advisor at Sports Force, just joined on a couple weeks ago. Uh, I have been a Division three college baseball coach for seven years, uh, most recently at serving as the head baseball coach at Westminster College in Fulton, Missouri. So uh, I am currently still located in central Missouri. Uh, like many of these guys have said, I have a passion for, for recruiting and helping student athletes and their families find the right college fit. Uh, excited to be on and, and answer some of these questions with you guys today. No doubt. Awesome. Coach Matt Kelly, you're on. Thank you, Brian. Uh, my name is Matt Kelly. I am also an, a, an advisor here at Sports Force. Uh, my coaching career, I have been a high school head coach up in my home state of Minnesota uh, before moving down to North Carolina. I was a, uh, an assistant coach at the University of North Carolina, Asheville, before moving to a post-grad academy just outside of Charlotte, where I am now located. Um, and yeah, now I'm, now I'm advising with Sports Force and, and helping uh, helping high school student athletes achieve their dreams of playing in college and, and looking forward to giving some clarity on, on the recruiting process here today. Awesome. Yep. And, and folks, what you're, what you've just heard um, is who we are as a company. We're a group of former college coaches, uh, even professional players that um, are using our experience um, in, in the recruiting process to help families uh, and young men find the right fit. And uh, based on what they're, Goals, concerns, challenges might be mostly their goals. So uh, that's what we're in it for. Uh, we are here to educate. And uh, while we are a for-profit business, we are here to educate. So that's part of the, uh, the Twitter space ideas. We're here to help you and, and answer those questions that you have. So with that, our format today, um, like I mentioned uh, in a last-minute tweet there, uh, feel free to DM the Sports Force account. You can DM me as well. While I am logged in through the Sports Force account, I do have uh, my personal account up, and my handle is at CoachPew17. That's P U G H and the number 17. Feel free to DM your questions um, as we get rolling. Um, if you have a question that you would like to ask live, um, you can use the feature uh, and raise your hand, and we can grant you uh, permission to, to speak. So, uh, whatever the best way is for you to get uh, your question in and get your question answered. Um, let's do it because I know that there's a lot of questions out there. Um, I'm going to kick things off. I do have a question that's come through, uh, through DM and, and folks, you can be as specific as you want to on these questions. Um, so the first question that I have, and I will not, uh, we won't say who the questions are from just to kind of protect anonymity. Um, but, um, the first question that I have is, uh, coach Pew, my son is a 2025 graduate. Um, we are just getting our feet wet in the recruiting process. 
what are the biggest things that he can do right now and that we can do right now in order to uh, help him in this process? Um, I'm going to take this first and then uh, any of the other panelists, Matt, Zach, Jesse, anybody else that wants to chime in, feel free. But um, the first thing with with young players um, and yes, you're you're going into your sophomore year right now. Um, you number one, go out and be a good player, be the best possible player that you can be hone your skills. Um, I know that recruiting is taking place earlier and earlier all the time, but quite honestly, that early recruiting where you're seeing that is at the elite level division one. We're talking about the UCLA's Oregon, Vanderbilt, Texas. Okay. And the reason that they're able to do that is because they are those schools. It is an ultra competitive process, both on the side of the student athlete and the family, but is ultra competitive also for um, the schools. So if right now, if there's been limited to no communication and contact. Don't worry. I personally feel like the best thing that you can do right now is go out and be the best player you can possibly be. Along with that, start grabbing video. It doesn't mean it has to be sent out, emailed, anything like that, but just start grabbing video and grab good video um, to start building a highlight reel for yourself. Um, that would be, that would be one of the first things that I would say. How about any of you other guys? What, uh, what thoughts do you have? Yeah, I can, I can jump in on that one real quick. Um, kind of what just building off what BP just said, start documenting everything. Um, I think coaches like to see progress. Um, and so, you know, if you're 2025 now, you're a sophomore in high school, um, you know, what you are now isn't what you should be in, in two years. And so for me on my end, start documenting that. And as you continue to develop, um, you start, you know, showing your, your development, you know, you start at 73 miles per hour and then you take a five mile an hour jump, you document that. And same thing with video, it shows your, your strength growth, your skill development, um, kind of all of the above. So that would be my advice is to start documenting what you do. Um, so that way you can start to build kind of a, a resume of development. Yeah, to, to kind of piggyback off of what both coaches have said in terms of, you know, you want to start to build your recruiting profile and who you are as a student athlete and, and documenting those things, something that you and your family can do uh, is take advantage of the resources that you have around you. You know, one of my favorite things to, to talk to student athletes and, and their families about is to go out and watch college baseball. You know, a, a lot of uh, athletes and, and families are unaware of, of the talent level and the resources and things that are around them. So if you are fortunate enough to have, you know, a Division One, a Division Two, a Division Three, JUCO, NAI, whatever that might be, uh, start to familiarize yourself with, with the different levels of college baseball. Uh, and as you continue to progress and build your profile, uh, you know, start to, to put those, those pieces of the puzzle together and, and look for what might be a best fit for you. Awesome. Yeah, and I, I think right off the bat, this just shows um, kind of how complicated this process can be, right? Um, you know, a, a, pretty, a pretty simple question that a lot of people have, like, what can I do, right? This is what year I am, and this is my goal. What can I do to get there? Uh, and already great insight and, and excellent answers. Uh, but I just, I think that shows how complicated this process can be and, um, and how many questions you have that everybody else probably has. And the only thing I would add to it, um, 
is along with that, you know, documenting your progress and, and being the best player you can be and really pushing yourself to get better at baseball uh, is being a good teammate and being approachable by coaches, um, regardless of whatever level you are at or whatever level you think you are at in the recruiting process. If a, a coach of a school that you think you are better than uh, approaches you, you at, at the very least owe them respect um, and, and be able to talk to them like a human being, even if you don't have intention of playing for their program, uh, because everybody knows everybody in this coaching community. It's closer than you think it is, even nationwide. Uh, our staff alone is, is comprised of uh, we have coaches from the East Coast to the West Coast. We have guys who have coached overseas and it's a tight knit group. I can tell you that. So, um, you know, being the physical side of it uh, is very important, but the human side of it is very important as well. Awesome. Awesome. All all great insight. Um, I'm going to jump right to the next question that um, that I've gotten here through um, the Sports Force site or the Sports Force page. And the question is, at what age should I start the recruiting process? Um, I, I'll be the last one to chime in on this. Uh, if somebody else uh, wants to jump in and, and kind of give their insight and their thoughts, feel free. Go right ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's in terms of what age should you start the recruiting process, another another pretty general question, but a fair one at that. Um, you know, as soon as you have made the decision that you want to play college baseball um, is when you should start the process. Now, how in-depth you get with that process is a different question. Um, but, you know, when should you start researching schools? When should you start, you know, finding out where you stand in terms of your development and what level you're capable of playing at or what level you project at? Um, that can start early. I mean, I, I've worked with athletes who, you know, have, have committed as soon as their freshman year of high school. I've also, I also have some who, um, have already graduated high school and are still looking to play. Um, and so they're committing after high school. So, I mean, it's, it's different for everybody, but in terms of when you should start the recruiting process and start to, you know, at least be curious about some of the questions you have and start to do your research. Um, I think it's as, as soon as you decide that college baseball is, is the route you want to take. No doubt. Jesse, Zach, either one of you want to chime in? Yeah, yeah. you know, I kind of spoke on it a minute ago, building a resume. Um, I think that the earlier you can start building your resume, the better. Um, with that being said, you know, regard, dependent on the level, you know, the, the recruiting process might be earlier or later. And so for, for me on my end, I think it would be develop that resume and then start to develop the feel of what level of baseball player you are and what level of student athlete you are. And from there, then start kind of developing your timeline of when you want to actually start reaching out to coaches. Um, I'll be the first one to tell you, you know, as when I was at the NAIA level and even the division two level, if I was seeing emails from, you know, 2025s and 2026s, I probably wasn't necessarily responding to it. Um, more in depth as much as it was just, you know, hey, keep us in mind in the future and we'll, we'll put you on our list. Um, but then as that, you know, student athlete gets older, that athlete becomes more of an interest to us versus at the division one level where they may be a little bit more interested in a 25 or a 26. Um, so for me on my end, start developing that resume and then develop the feel of what level you really see yourself fitting at. And from there, start kind of targeting uh, the coaches and the programs that you're looking at. I think those are really good points that you just uh, made there, uh, Jesse. And I think we can kind of tie this back into the last question as well. Um, and again, with with my the majority of my background being at the Division One level, um, and and kind of some comments I made a couple of minutes ago, 
you know, Jesse, you alluded to the fact that one of the better, it may have been Zach, I'm sorry, but alluded to the fact that, um, you know, go out and watch college baseball. What I have noticed over the last two and a half years, we'll, we'll call it since the onset of, of the pandemic, um, there's so much more college baseball that is available just to be watched on TV. Um, ESPN plus ESPN three, obviously the CWS was just on over the last couple of weeks. Um, there are so many avenues for you as families, you as players to go and watch college baseball, um, mostly at the division one level, but you know, they, there's, there's all kinds of streaming that's out there. I think it's, it's a really, really great point that you made Zach, I believe about watching, um, Number two, as far as getting started, I think one of the things that is really important to elaborate on Jesse's point is understanding where, what the, the window and the timeline looks at each individual level. And there is a pecking order to it. Obviously, the elite level division ones are going to probably get started really early. Um, and they probably have a chance of quote unquote, wrapping up their class well before anybody else does, maybe even before the player gets to his senior year. The mid-major division ones, they're going to be a little bit behind that, but they're still starting early. Um, and for instance, right now, they're probably working to finish up their 2023 class, um, as well as um, they're, they're deep into um, or really getting into 24s and some starting to scratch 25s. As you get to the Division Two, Division Three level, um, they are the same thing. It's just a little bit further behind for them. So, yeah, if you're 2025 and you're reaching out to uh, Division Three schools right now, it, it's hard for them to really kind of process it because you're so far away from being within their recruiting window that um, you just need to understand um, where those schools are and, and sort of what the pecking order is and, and, and what their timeline is. I hope that made sense. I'm sorry, Matt, it sounds like you've got a follow-up, uh, sort of question that, that, that's a good piggyback off of that. Go right ahead. I do. So, um, you know, the, the question, that last question there is when should I start the recruiting process? I had another one come in, when should I commit? Um, and that's, I think that's just as broad, um, and the, the simplest answer I can give you is that there's no right answer there. Um, it's going to depend. Every individual is different. It's going to depend what level. Yeah. It's going to depend what level you are at, um, what level you project to, um, how old you are, what position you play. It's, there's so much that goes into it. So, um, when should you commit? I mean, there's, there really isn't a right answer. I mean, I, I've had, like I said, I've had a, a ninth grader commit to a power five school, um, an ACC school. Um, but I also had a senior in high school commit to that same school. And, you know, so it, it really depends where you're at. It's not like they're, you know, if, if a, a huge school, like some of the ones Brian mentioned, if Texas sees, you know, that you're a, a six foot four left-handed pitcher throwing 94 miles an hour, they don't care how old you are, right? If, if you took the time to develop, um, you know, and, and you're a senior in high school, they might say their recruiting is closed, but I can guarantee they don't want that same guy going to Oklahoma and pitching against them. So um, <laughs> no doubt. Right. So I think, you know, when should I commit? It's, it's going to depend on where you're at. And I think, you know, making sure you're, you're getting the right tools, you're getting the right education to make that decision is key. To, uh, to jump in here on this, something that, that caught my mind when I heard the question as well that, that I think is good to touch on is from the previous question, we talked about how 
you know, how early you should get into the process. And we talked about how, you know, the sooner you as a family and as an athlete um, kind of sit down and talk about what your goals out of this are, you know, the type of schools you want to go to, uh, where you want to go to school, all, all those general based things. Uh, you know, everyone is going to be a little bit different in terms of when they want to make that decision. So if it's important for you to, to uh, you know, have that decision made before the senior year or if it's OK to wait till later in the senior year to keep those options open, uh, you know, that is going to be a very individualized process. And, and just something that I think before heavily jumping into the recruiting process uh, is something that you you and your family should should discuss. Great points all the way around. Yeah, I think that that one of the things that we talk to our clients about and that I've always talked to recruits about uh, during the recruiting process is everybody has boxes they're looking to check off. Um, and really it comes down to when you feel it's right. If there's a great opportunity for you uh, financially, academically, from a, from a playing standpoint, so on and so forth. And that happens during your sophomore year and you feel like it's right. There's, there's, you know, certainly go ahead and make the decision. Um, if you're, if those boxes aren't checked off for you as a player and you as a family, then, then you wait until you get the best possible opportunity and the one that really feels right. Uh, size of campus can go into, come into play with that, um, relationship with the coaching staff. Um, all, there's so many factors like Matt said. Um, and, and so it's, it's more of a feel, um, when you feel like it's right. And when you feel like you have found that, that fit. Um, okay. I have a, I got a hand raised here. Um, and I am going to say your name just so that you're prepared for this. So, so Brooke, I think you had your hand raised. I'm going to go ahead and invite you to speak and feel free to, uh, to fire away with your question. You'll have to ex accept the invitation to speak. Are you there, Brooke? Brooke, I will come back to you um, once uh, once we get that part figured out. Um, oh, there she is. Um, Brooke, go right ahead. Just need to take yourself off mute. Um, I missed the question. I'm sorry. Are. No, that's okay. I thought I saw you raise your hand oh. uh, to ask a question. Oh, no, was... That might have just flashed up and gone oh, away. Oh, I was clapping at the uh, examples oh. of, of the information that was given. Gotcha. Well, thank you very much. I <laughs> appreciate that. that. I thought I was looking, that's okay. I was looking quick, thought I saw a hand raise. Okay. No problem. Thank you very much. Um, okay. Um, Zach, anything, uh, come across your DM that, uh, from a question standpoint that, um, that you'd like to, to fire out there. I'm seeing right now. not that I've got right now. I haven't had any, any sent straight to my DM. Okay, no problem. Desi, how about you? Yep, I did uh, I did get a question. Um, it says, hey, Coach Katz, curious what you think an email should look like inviting coaches to a pitching performance coming up in a tournament. Um, I can jump in with this one to start. Um, you know, for me, I think it's got to be short and simple. Um, I think you want to know what day you're pitching, where the field is located, what team you're playing for, et cetera. Um, maybe include a little bit of video of yourself so that I have an idea. If I've never heard of you and I've never seen you pitch before, then I think it'd be really nice to, to have some idea of whether or not you're actually a recruitable athlete for, for my program. So for me, keep it short, keep it simple. Let me know where you're going to be pitching. 
Um, let me know what time, let me know what team you're playing on, and include a little bit of video. Well said. Um, Zach, Matt, anything you guys would like to add there? Yeah, the only thing I would say there is keep it short, right? Keep it concise. Um, I know these guys would agree with me. Coaching at the college level, you get a ton of emails. So any coach you are emailing gets a ton of emails from guys just like you. Hey, coach, really interested in your program. Um, I'm, I'm pitching soon. Keep it short. Keep it concise with the information they need. Um, like, like Jesse said, where you're at, what team, um, and the time you're pitching. Um, you know, make it make it accessible because, you know, just saying, hey, I'm pitching, that doesn't give them enough of what they need to know, right? I could be out pitching, and I guarantee there's no college coaches that want me to pitch. Um, so make sure, you know, you have some kind of information in there that, that makes them want to come see you, but it, it can't be, you know, a, a full book of information. They're not going to read it. They're simply not. They're going to say, all right, thanks. Um, so it needs to be uh, concise. It needs to be, Hey, here's where I'm going to be. And that, that goes for pitching, um, or position players. I mean, if you're playing, um, you know, at a tournament and whatever complex, keep it short. That's the best advice I have. Awesome. Awesome. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Zach. No, I was just going to agree with Matt. You know, I think that whatever is, you know, your biggest attribute as a pitcher, position player, whatever it is that you're going to, going to market yourself as, with, with that short time and short window of information that you're going to have in that email or whatever outreach you use, you want to make sure that, that your best attribute is what is going out to catch that coach's eye. Because again, they're going to look it over. Uh, and, and if it's not something that catches their attention, they're going to move on to the next one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, before we uh, get to the next question, because they're starting to roll in on my end a little bit, um, wanted to just remind everybody where you are. Uh, you are uh, on with um, Brian Pugh, Jesse Katz, Zach Bishop, and Matt Kelly. Um, all of us are advisors. Well, actually, uh, Coach Katz is a consultant with Sports Force Baseball, but you're on our uncommitted Q&A Twitter space. This is we're using this as an opportunity and a platform for you as listeners to ask the questions to us um, as we do work with individual families and, and advise and help them navigate this recruiting process. It can be very overwhelming, sometimes very intimidating. Um, and we know just from working with our clients, there's a lot of questions that are out there. So you can DM myself. My handle is at Coach Pugh, P-U-G-H, and then the number 17. Um, you can obviously DM the Sports Force account, DM any of the other uh, panelists that are on here, uh, your questions. You can also raise your hand, and uh, we'll, I'll grant you access um, or grant you speaking privileges, and you can jump right on and ask your question live. So um, let's go back to uh, some questions here. And um, this one... Uh, actually, Coach Kelly, Coach Katz, this comes on the heel of um, one of the last Twitter spaces that, that we did. What should my Twitter bio look like? Um, I'll let Coach, uh, Coach Kelly, why don't you start this one off? And um, just I think between the three of us, we'll, we'll see if there's any little tidbits to add in. But I think you can probably sum this up for us. Go right ahead. Sure. So it's, it's going to be very similar to your email, right? Um, think of how many how many of you on here have similar profiles, right? You have a, a picture of you hitting or pitching, uh, and then you have the important uh, information up at the top there. And I think that's the key. Keep it concise. Keep it important. Keep it what I need to know. Um, an important piece of information that I feel like goes a little overlooked um, from high school athletes is the state that you live in or play in. Um, because the, 
the in-state tuition versus out-of-state tuition and the scholarship opportunities that come along with that. Um, there's a lot that goes into play there that uh, on the on the player's side probably doesn't make a lot of sense, which is understandable. It can get complicated. But uh, I, I basically want to know um, your metrics, right? Height, weight. Um, I want to know where you play. I want to know what team you play on. And it doesn't it, it really doesn't need to be more than that. Um, you know, obviously, if you have a link to a profile of video somewhere, that's helpful. But your your Twitter should have video on it. Uh, but keep it short. Keep it concise. Keep it the stuff that we actually care about. Absolutely. Um, the other thing that that I want to make sure that we mention, because, uh, again, we just did uh, the three of us just did an entire Twitter space dedicated to the power of social media in recruiting. I think it's very important that we acknowledge that social media does have power in recruiting. Um, we talk a lot about Twitter because that's our preferred platform. Um, we have a lot of college coaches that follow us. So we want to make sure, and I want to make sure that, that this is heard again, uh, if you didn't join that space, that your, your Twitter, your social media is a window into not just your abilities, but it is a window into your life as well. Um, and one thing that we hear college coaches talk about all the time at every level um, and has become really important is culture. And when they think culture and when they build culture, they're looking for character. Um, and there are certain attributes about an individual's character that can be demonstrated through their social media posts or, or follows, retweets, so on and so forth. So be very cognizant. Um, I don't want to say cautious, but be very cognizant about who you follow, who you, what you retweet, what you like, favorite, you know, all those sorts of things, because Ultimately, it can be while it can be very beneficial, that being um, social media, it can also be very detrimental um, to your recruitment process. So just be very mindful of, of what you're doing and make sure that you monitor your social media activity and accounts. All right. Um, any any of the three of you uh, of our panelists, any other questions that uh, that you'd like to throw out there right now? Not yet. I just I did want to add one thing to that real quick. Um, one thing that we've talked about a little bit in the last Twitter space was if you are somebody who does like to tweet a lot, you know, a lot of personal stuff, whether or like or retweet, have a personal account, have a professional account. And that way, when a when a college coach is trying to do some information digging on you, you have your professional account where you've got all your baseball stuff and all of your video but then you also have your personal account where you can retweet the the score of the Cubs game or the score of the Bears game or whatever it is that you uh, that you like to do in your free time. Um, that way, again, that way it is it is clean on the on the baseball end, um, and we can we can kind of sift through it way quicker than somebody who you know has a video of them playing baseball and then you know six tweets about the Cubs game and then another video of them playing baseball and then six more tweets. Yep, great point. Great point. I think. I think the last point to, to kind of jump in on the social media train with this is, and, and listeners might be surprised by this, but you would be amazed how many student athletes or their family members use a Twitter profile to market the athlete and to, to reach out to college coaches, but they don't have their DMs open or available for college coaches to reach out. That is probably one of the biggest ways to, to fall off of a coach's list. You know, if you do happen to catch their attention and they want to reach out and, and maybe start a conversation or maybe get more information, but they have to follow you first and wait for you to follow them back, and then they have to remember to DM you later on, you are severely hurting your chances at getting in contact with that coach. 
Great point. Yep, no doubt. And I think that what you what you can look at at with Twitter is, I mean, we talk about ways to connect with coaches. Um, that it's not just the visual part of it, but obviously, if a coach follows you and you follow the coach, there is the ability to to direct message with them, and and that is just another. Uh, avenue of communication and another way to uh, start to build a rapport and a relationship and and for them to get to know you as well so um you know that's uh you're you're dead on right there zach yeah accept the dms um you know and and you can change your filters uh on there and, and settings and so on and so forth so make sure if it says dms open make sure your dms are open great point great point okay i got another one that came came in um now we're getting into some some position specific stuff um, this one comes from a 2023 left-handed pitcher. Um, there weren't any metrics in there and that's okay. No problem. Um, but the question says I'm a 2023 left-handed pitcher. I haven't had much attention so far. Um, are schools still looking for 2023 left-handed pitchers? Um, coach Bishop, why don't, why don't you kind of, jump in on this and uh, you take the lead on this one. And then, then if anybody has anything to add, we can. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, there are certainly an abundance of schools that are still looking for 23s and especially uh, being a left-handed pitcher, you know, that is, you know, goes, goes, nobody can ever have enough left-handed pitching. And uh, you know, the fact that maybe you haven't gotten the attention that you're looking for yet, again, without knowing some of the metrics, it's hard to get into that, but uh, a number of schools, and we kind of talked about the pecking order, but, a lot of those smaller level schools, uh, your junior college, NAIA, uh, Division One, or Division Two, II, Division Three, those level schools are going to still be looking at 23s. Uh, and and in particular at the college level, everybody is always looking for arms. So uh, that is that is going to be something that is on your side there. Well said. I, I think think you summed that up very well. Um, okay. Next question. Um, again, I'm a 2023. Um, the schools that I am interested in uh, and have been in contact have let me know that they have finished recruiting at my position. What should I do? What options would I still have? Um, I'm going to actually let Coach Kelly take the lead on this one because he has some unique experience and unique insight on this particular scenario. Yeah, I mean, that's it's a tough one. Um, you know, I think you're going to have a list of, of schools you're interested in. Right. And, and sometimes it's just like that, that's the reality of it. If, if they're going to say like, Hey, we're just, we don't need a, you know, another second baseman. We already have four and we we're signing two more, you know, and that's what you do. You know, and I, I don't know the, the exact scenario of, of where we're asked the question, but you know, if, if that's where they're full, that's where they're full. And, you know, you, you probably don't want to go into a program where you have to compete against seven other guys for one spot anyway. Um, However, when you get to the college level, you're going to have to compete, uh, you know, because you you're playing in high school, you can be the best player on your team for three years. You get to college, everybody on your team was the best player on their high school team for the most part, uh, you know, and so it's going to be competitive wherever you go, but you know, you're going to have to, um, probably move on 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 your list of schools that you're looking at um i think a lot of people have a a a list of schools that they're interested in that's that's too small quite honestly um and they're like all right these are the these are the couple schools i'm looking at here and then 
they get rejected by those couple schools or they even think they've been rejected by their, those couple schools. And now it's all right. Now what, you know, like I, I'm, I guess I'm not playing college baseball. Uh, the reality is it's a very competitive field and you kind of need to open that, open that up to the possibility of there's a lot of guys who can do what you can do. Um, so maybe it's time to start looking at other avenues. Um, and that's, that's really the best advice I can give. But like I said, um, there's always room for things to change. There's always room. If you grow, um, six inches or you, you have a breakthrough in your pitching or your hitting or whatever, and, and things drastically change, I promise you, um, whatever school didn't want you, if you make that big of a difference and you can help them win more games than they would have, uh, they'll find room for you. Good answer. And I wanted to add on to that. And, you know, I think that for 2023s, you're still in a recruiting window. Um, and I talked about windows before the, the division one window is uh, a little more closed than let's say the division three window. And certainly uh, the junior college window and the NAIA window. So I think that um, as you get further along from a timeline standpoint, eyes need to be open a little bit more to whatever possibilities are going to allow you to quote unquote chase or, or, or live the dream of being a student athlete and having that student athlete experience. And, um, you know, for some players, um, junior college, uh, is, uh, an alternative and a great route. Um, I know that sometimes it gets a negative rap because, you know, from, from an academic standpoint or whatever it might be, but you can use a junior college. You could use, you can use a postgraduate program as a great opportunity and as a great platform for you to continue your development. And like coach Kelly uh, just said, you know, to make maybe that next jump Um, competition to get recruited is, is extremely, extremely high. It's extremely, extremely difficult to just find a college roster spot. The reality is about there's a little over a half million high school baseball players in the country and only 11 point, about 12% of those players actually have the opportunity to play in college, whether that be as a scholarship player or a a roster spot. Um, And only about 2% of those players end up playing at the division one level. Um, There are opportunities out there. You might just have to seek a little bit uh, more and you also might have to adjust what maybe the track you're on is and seek, you know, other opportunities uh, as far as, you know, ways to, um, put yourself in a position where you can chase, chase that dream. Um, all right. So I'm going to go back to Brooke. I know I granted you speaking, uh, before and, and you just DM'd, uh, us at the, uh, at sports force. So I'm going to make sure I get to your questions since I kind of put you on the spot there at the time. Um, and I'm going to be kind of a general and generalize your question and paraphrase it. So where we live, um, our son, uh, is a six foot four left-handed pitcher, uh, with somewhat and is somewhat limited in quote unquote elite competition with the cost of everything increasing. This has shifted our ability to make, uh, make it to camps, tournaments, et cetera. Do you have suggestions for what he should do? We should do or how to be seen. Um, yes, I do. Um, and certainly I think that everybody, not everybody is in the situation where money is not an object, um, and can, can go wherever. And, and it's just, it's unlimited resources. The reality is, is that, 
most families do have a limit on or a budget, if you will, on what they can invest in the, uh, the recruiting process. So I think that one of the first things that you can look to do is to get an honest, objective, unbiased, however you want to say that, assessment of where your son stands from an ability stand and, and, and skill set standpoint, as well as the academic side of things. Um, just looking at the academic metrics, GPA, what the um, class schedule looks like, are we in AP, honors, you know, general college prep courses, um, and also what a board score might look like. Um, and I think that those objective, unbiased, um, sometimes, you know, third party um, assessments can provide some guidance and a little bit more of a roadmap as far as schools that um, you guys should be targeting. Um, I do think that that's an important thing is that there is a list of schools that uh, you have that you feel is, is realistic um, for, for you as a family and, and takes everything into consideration. Um, and you can certainly, um, you know, there, you can certainly, um, gain, gain direction based on that. Do your research on the institutions, um, understand where they are roster wise at the, I feel like I'm, I'm sounding a little bit like a Debbie Downer here with this answer. I want to go back to what coach Bishop said about the 2023 left-handed pitcher, the answer that we had, look, left-handed pitching is a commodity. No doubt about it. There's not enough of it out there. Um, everybody's always looking for left-handed pitchers. Um, make sure that you get video uh, however you can. Um, you know, local games, if it's Legion or, you know, Senior Babe Ruth, whatever, whatever you might be playing at. Um, if there's any lessons that you're doing or a private coach instructor that you're working with, get video from um, those, those sessions you have with them. Gather the metrics um, because – you're, you're going to need to to have that stuff available for coaches um, to get on their radar. Um, I feel like I maybe rambled a little bit through that. Does anybody else maybe want to try and tighten that up a little bit? Just uh, sorry, Zach, you want to go ahead and speak after? Sure, I'll just jump in real quick. I was just going to, to jump in with that and, and to lift that up a little bit. Uh, you know, I myself grew up in a, in a very similar situation being a, a small town mid Missouri boy. I currently coach a lot of small town mid Missouri athletes who, who face some of those same challenges. And, and to put it into perspective or, or a positive is we've done a lot of talking about social media uh, and did our previous Twitter space on social media. So something definitely for, for you guys to check out because with social media being more prevalent in recruiting than it's ever been before, you know, that really helps out athletes who are in your son's situation who, who might need to find a more creative way to get in front of those college coaches to uh, up the, of those target lists or just to, to be able to market themselves and especially as a left-handed pitcher. So use social media to your advantage. Get quality video. Uh, listen to some of the tips that we talked about today and in previous talks uh, and see if that can't hopefully boost his recruiting process. Not to mention the social media activity is free. It's, it's a minimal time investment, but it's free, um, and, it, and it doesn't cost anything. Um, so that's, that's another advantage to using social media. Um, okay, uh, I'm going to go back through the panel. Um, guys, anybody have any, any questions that, that have been asked to you that you want to share with everybody and we want to dive into? Yeah, I had one come in. So um, 
basically I'm a 2025 grad. Um, I have some college coaches showing interest. I'm being told by my coaches that power five schools are asking about me. Are colleges allowed to contact me directly? And if I'm interested in that school, should I reach out to them? Um, I'll, I'll weigh in a little bit here, but I think coach Pugh, you'll probably have better insight than I will on this. Um, Yes, I, I think if you're getting good information from your coaches, if there really are these schools that are interested, um, there's no reason to delay that process necessarily. I think uh, I would encourage your coaches to tell these college coaches, hey, here's his number, here's his email, whatever it is, um, go ahead and get in contact. However, if that's not happening, you know, if there's genuine interest, and like I said, you're getting good information that they are interested, yeah, go ahead and start that conversation. I think the the narrative is that college coaches are, are intimidating, which I, I totally understand that. However, they're just people, right? I know we've had a few of them pop in and out of this call here, uh, current college coaches. Obviously, the, the four of us are, are former college coaches in some respect. We're just people, right? Just talk to coaches uh, and have that conversation. Uh, that's, that's the easiest way I can put it. But uh, Coach Pio, why don't you go ahead and weigh in on, on that? Sure. Um, yeah, one thing too, and, and I've talked a little bit about window and under, one thing that's really important is that you understand what contact rules are. Uh, the younger you are, the more restrictive contact is um, from college coaches, um, especially at the division one level. They have, they have certain dates at which they can start certain types of, of communication and contact. Um, if you're having already that direct personal contact, um, that's probably been facilitated some way. And that that's the reality of how college recruiting works, especially with the younger players. It has to be facilitated usually by a high school coach, uh, a travel coach or an advisor, whatever it might be that can connect everybody. Um, so but yeah, it's important that you are educated and that you familiarize yourself with what those rules are with regards to contact. Um, basically, you know, early on, um, Coaches can contact you about camps, um, and I'm sure that the majority of you that are listening uh, or will listen when this is available uh, in replay, um, you're getting flooded with camp emails right now. No doubt about it. And, you know, that's fine. I think you have to understand and be able to decipher what is personal contact and what is just general contact that maybe anywhere from three to 10,000 other people got the same email. Um so, yeah, understand the rules, understand when they can, how they can. Um, you know, a lot of the contact has to be um, uh, player driven uh, at the younger ages, the 25 age. So, you know, it might be by a third party. And, you know, the coach says, hey, have have Mikey call me, um, you know, tonight at eight. If that doesn't work, let me know and um, give him my number and he can text me what time he's he's going to call. He just can't text you and he just can't call, you know, you at certain times and, and things like that. So that's what I mean by by understanding rules and, and just how kind of things work at the at the younger ages. Um, anybody else have anything they want to add to that? I think that's pretty good. The only thing that, that I think you can look for with that as well is, you know, we talk about finding the right fit of schools. And when you are able to start having contact with those college coaches, just like college coaches are trying to build a relationship with you to find out who you are to see if they want to invest in you and bring bring you into their program you should be using that early con uh, that early communication uh to build a relationship with that coach and see if that coach and that program is something that you want to invest yourself in and go and play for so uh that communication is very important for both sides absolutely 
Absolutely. Okay. Moving up before we move on here, just, just a quick uh, reminder to everybody, because we have had um, some folks join in. You're almost sports force baseball right now. Brian Pugh, Jesse Katz, Zach Bishop, Matt Kelly, um, all of us with sports force baseball as either consultants or advisors. And, and this is our open uncommitted Q and a, um, if you have questions, feel free to DM any of us. My um, profile handle is the only one that doesn't show up because I'm actually on the Sports Force uh, account right now, but I'm monitoring mine uh, simultaneously. My handle is at Coach Pew. P is in Peter, U is an umbrella, G is in girl, H is in happy, 17. Um, or just raise your hand and we can give you guys uh, permission to, to speak as well. Um, I got a really good one that, that just came in. Um, and this is obviously from a parent. And the question is basically how involved should I be in my son's recruiting process? Um, what should I be doing? So on, like there, it was a little bit longer, so I'm just kind of paraphrasing it and cutting it down. This is an awesome question. Um, an awesome question. Um, coach Katz, why don't you start off with this one? Yeah. Um, you know, for me and, you know, the programs I've been in, I, I think the parent is a very valuable tool in the process in the sense that I think they can help make the most informed decision for the family um, and for the and for the prospective student athlete. Um, however, with that being said, we want the contact to come from the student athlete, from the recruit. Uh, we want the recruit to take control of his process it it sometimes strikes a red flag for us as college coaches if the parent is the one doing all of the talking all of the emailing all of the communicating Um, when you go on a visit you know the parents are obviously encouraged to be on the visit and ask some questions to help make an an informed decision but at the end of the day we want to we want to hear from the from the the recruit we want to hear from the player and so for us i think it's really important that they are a part of the process but take a back seat when it comes to actually leading the process. Be there as a set of ears um, to help make the most informed decision for the, for the player and for the family. Very well said. Very well said. Uh, Matt, Zach, either of you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think uh, Coach Katz hammered that question right there. Uh, you know, you want to be involved, but not be, be overbearing. Obviously, you know, you are most likely making a financial, you know, it's going to have a financial impact on you, the decision. So you have to be involved. Uh, I really enjoyed when coach Katz talked about, you know, when you are fortunate enough to get on campus for a visit, I, I can speak personally for, from, from my head coaching experience, you know, when we would bring a recruit on campus and we would start every visit with a 45 minute sit down in the office and and just kind of get to know each other and, and talk about the program when the parent did all of the talking in that 45 minute meeting and answered all the questions for their son and talked to us about what their son was looking for and, and anything in, uh, regarding the recruiting process, but spoke for their son, it was always an automatic red flag and left our staff feeling a little bit uneasy. So understanding the importance of helping your son uh, or daughter get there, but then once they get there, they need to be able to, to have the communication skills to work and talk with those college coaches. Yep. And at the end of the day, everybody, when, when, when a player decides to go to a school and commits to a school um, and, and through the recruiting process, ultimately coaches are evaluating the personality as well. And because the reality of the situation is they're going to spend a lot of time with your son, a lot of time with your son. And one thing that they want to feel comfortable with is that 
I, I like being around this young man. I feel like I can have a conversation with this young man. He's going to place his trust in me and I'm going to be able to trust him. Uh, and it's going to be an open and honest relationship. And um, I was, I was uh, speaking with somebody this morning and uh, they, they had asked me, um, you know, how, how would a former player um, describe you if, if I were to ask them? And they, and I, I said, well, they would tell you that that they feel like I genuinely care about them because I was interested in more than just what was going on in the on the field with them. And you know, when you come into the ballpark, and you know, Coach knew that you had a an exam, you know, at at eight o'clock last night because you had a night class. And he came in. First thing he said was, "Hey, what's up? Hey, how'd your exam go last night?" Um, you know, things like that, or you know understanding when because you get to know when um you see family members that maybe it's an older sister that's at games and you notice that she's about to have a baby and you know you check up on on the family hey how's your sister doing when she do like is everything going well and you know you you so you shared some you share some very intimate moments with players and you want to make sure that that their head is in the right place and the other thing to think about is this you know especially at the division one level like it's not all bells and whistles at the division one level. You don't charter every flight. Uh, you don't fly everywhere. You're jammed on a bus sometimes for seven, eight, nine hours with, with, you know, 35 guys. And there's gotta be something more than just sitting there watching movies and everybody putting their head, their headphones on like that. You spend time with them. You like, you want to know that you can move back a couple seats or they'll come up a couple seats and you can just talk and shoot the breeze a little bit. And, and so, I think that that's really what it comes down to ultimately is you know, with the player. We want to know that we are comfortable as coaches um, spending a lot of time with this young man and, and that it's going to be a really healthy, good relationship. Great question, though. Awesome question. And, Brian, I, I want to just chime in. At, I don't want to spend too much more time on the same question, but it is an important uh, topic, right? So I think the, the easiest analogy for us as baseball coaches uh, a lot of us as baseball coaches are baseball guys. So I'll use this analogy in the recruiting process. The family is its own team, right? I, I think the, a lot of times parents will, will take over more of the role than they need to, or uh, it could be the, the players not stepping up enough. But I think if you think of it as a team, the, the player, the recruit is the head coach of that team. They should be the one, um, you know, making the decisions, um, mm -hmm. with the help of their assistants. They should be making the talking points, talking to coaches. But the the parents are assistant coaches in that respect, right? The parents are there to help make an informed decision, but don't want to overstep the head coach. And I think that's that's probably the best way to think about it. You have a role as a parent, but you can't be the driver. Very again, very well said. Uh, I like I like that uh, that analogy there on on the back end. That was awesome. Um, got a question here about camps. Um, you know, Coach Pugh, you mentioned you know camps and showcases earlier, um, and the amount of of email traffic that there is for camps and showcases. How do we know what are the right camps and showcases to go to, um, and and evaluate which ones are going to be the most beneficial? Um, that's a great question. Um, uh, Coach Bishop, why don't you, uh, Zach, why don't you go ahead and, and lead us off with this one? Yeah, definitely a, a very important question and, and probably one of the ones we get most frequently uh, and something that a lot of families, you know, an area where a lot of families probably lose a lot of money. 
Uh, I'm sure we're all going to go a different way with this. So I'm just going to start by talking about, uh, you know, when choosing the camps that you're going to or the showcase that you're going to. Uh, you know, if you're getting that requested to you by a school, you know, have you had any previous communication with that school? How did the invite come? Was it a phone call from the head coach or the recruiting coordinator? Was it simply a week before the camp started that came into your Twitter DM or, or to your email account? Uh, another good thing to factor is look at the other schools at that level or maybe slightly below that level. You know, are you generating any real interest from any schools uh, that, that kind of relate or fit in with that level of school? Uh, but again, I think the two most important things are, are just, uh, you know, have you had previous conversations? Are you having a current conversation? And do you have any current interest in you from other college coaches that might uh, fit that, that school's level of play? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll just add into you mentioned we talked about, you know, the finances involved in recruiting as well. Um, and, you know, it's I don't I've heard the horror stories about families who have come close to having to take out second mortgages on their homes um, to be able to to finance getting from camp to camp to camp to camp to camp. Um, it's 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 not a cheap um, um proposition feeling like you have to do that so when you evaluate camps and showcases you have to look at the ones where you feel like you're going to get the most bang for your buck how many schools are going to be there are schools that i'm interested going to be there like like coach bishop said um and and you really have to have a strategy um for that part of the the other part of the strategy for that is you have to evaluate as a family whether or not you feel like your son or you as a player are you ready to attend these camps are you at a point from a skill set standpoint and metric standpoint where it's it's of value for you to go to this camp um, because the the end of the day schools recruit out of their camps no question about it i've done it i'm sure that everybody else that's on here has done it um, we recruit out of the camp so you want to make sure that you're ready to be in that situation um, especially as you get further along um, towards the junior, the senior year. Um, is it okay to go participate in something as a rising freshman or after the freshman year? Yeah, you, you can do it, but it still needs to be focused and targeted as far as what you're doing. Um, awesome question. Awesome question. Okay, um, just a couple of things real quick here. We've probably got, I don't know, we, we could probably go maybe another 10 minutes because I know that I still have a few questions here that I want to try and get to. Um, did want to mention earlier, I talked about uh, an impartial, unbiased uh, third opinion um, as far as where you are and whether or not, um, you know, what level you might be able to play at or even if you're a college prospect in general. Um, we certainly, as I mentioned, we are a for profit business um, and we do offer a couple of different ways um, to evaluate uh, your situation. We do offer free uh, evaluations. You can go on to um, the Twitter um, the sports force Twitter page, and you can click the link in our bio, um, that will take you to an evaluation form that you can fill out, which will go to one of our advisors. And, um, you know, we'll do some research and, and reach out. Um, if we think that you're, you're potentially a good fit for one of our programs, um, you can also reach out to me directly through DM and request, um, and my, my calendar, my schedule, um, to, um, do a paid consultation where we look at, um, your um, recruiting, current recruiting plan, your status, your grades, review video, do some, do some rating on athleticism and skill set, um, and, and talk about ways that uh, 
that you can beef up your recruiting um, if you know on your own. Um, that is that's on there and and available at one hundred ninety nine dollars. It's a forty five minute consultation via Zoom. So if that's something that anybody is interested in, feel free to shoot me a DM um, and I can forward you information on that as well. Um, the free eval um, link is also up on my Twitter uh, page. Um, and that goes directly to me. So there's a couple different ways if you're interested in exploring, um, you know, what we do and, and potentially getting an evaluation and finding out if you're a good fit for one of our programs, you can certainly do that. Um, okay. We got a couple more questions here that have come through, um, with me. Um, this one is, this is kind of a hot button topic right now. And that is how much value do coaches put into metrics? I'm just going to start out by saying that in the last, we'll just call it five to seven years, metrics have become very, very, very prevalent in evaluation, recruiting, um, and quite honestly, in my opinion, it serves as an opener, and it's what might catch someone's eye. So whether it be exit velo, uh, you know, pitcher's velo, spin rate, um, you know, so on and so forth, 60 times. Um, all of those are eye catchers, um, potentially, if those metrics are, are good. Um, but yeah, I think that it's, it's a good opener and a good way to grab some attention. Uh, ultimately, once that attention is grabbed from a college coach, they're going to dig and they're going to uh, try and figure out whether or not they're going to come see you play to make sure that the play matches what the metrics uh, are showing. But at the end of the day, metrics are here to stay. Um, they've become very valuable. And um, I think that it is a huge part of the recruiting process at this point. Guys, anything else you want to add to that or, or you know, like you said, um, lift up a little bit? Yeah, I'm, I would just, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. I think for me, metrics makes me interested in you. I think metrics shows me, you know, some some tools. But at the end of the day, I want to know that you can still play the game. And so um, would I ever recruit uh, an athlete based off strictly metrics? Probably not. Um, I think for me, I would it would get me out there to to make sure I saw him in person. Um, you know, I think the other side of the metrics is it shows what what can be developed and what needs to be developed and what maybe um, doesn't need to be developed. And so finding a program that fits, you know, the metrics that you represent in terms of um, you know, certain development things like for me being a pitching coach, um, at a program that, that focused a lot on developing certain metrics, you know, going into that program that this program will be able to develop my velocity or develop my spin rate or develop my exit velocity. Um, so for me, it's also kind of narrowing down into, will this potential recruit fit what we are trying to recruit here and can we develop it? Great answer. Great answer. Great insight. Um, Zach, Matt, anything else you guys like to add in on that one? Yeah, I'll just say that, um, you know, like, like Brian said, the last five to seven years uh, metrics have become much more important because the technology is there. Um, I, I want to throw in the fact that metrics have almost become to an extent as important, if not more important than your stats. Um, and, and because of that, um, that's why, you know, that's the information that we want to see, uh, on your social media or in the email or whatever it is. Uh, if you think about, you know, it's, I, I want to know what your, what your velocity is, what your, 
um, you know, your spin rate uh, for pitchers specifically, that's going to tell me a lot more than your ERA, right? You might play in a conference that is just loaded with power five talent in high school. Um, so your ERA is getting beat up a little bit and you're struggling. Um, conversely, you might play in a terrible conference that has no college talent in it and your ERA is zero. That doesn't necessarily mean you are a good fit for any particular college. So those metrics do come into play. Now, on the other side of that, it's not everything. Um, you can throw 95 miles an hour, and if you can't get over the plate, you're not going to get in the game. You're not going to help college coaches win. Um, at the Division One level, our, one of, one of our, our best pitchers on the staff was maybe 85 top velocity, but he could get guys out. He had great control. He was a gamer. So like, like these other guys have said, it's a conversation starter. Um, it's an eye catcher it's something to, to talk about. And, you know, it makes us, makes us realize that you're legit, you're worth talking to, but that's, you know, that's not how the game of baseball is played. Uh, there are guys who can throw really hard who are still sitting in the minor leagues that haven't been called up because they can't get guys out. They don't have control, whatever it is. Absolutely. Abs that hundred percent true. hundred percent true. Um, okay. Next question that came through to me um, was, about the eligibility center, when should I sign up for the eligibility center? Um, I'll kind of take the lead on this one, and then you guys can chime in a little bit. So the NCA eligibility center, um, for, for those who might be unfamiliar with uh, the, the concept, um, the NCAA has an eligibility center in which it's a, it's a pre-screening uh, from an academic standpoint being the biggest one um, for potential Division One and Division Two student-athletes. Um, division three, the eligibility center is a non-factor and then there is an eligibility center, um, for NAIA as well. Um, when should you register for it? Quite honestly, um, you should register for it if, and when you get to the point where you realize that you are going to be either a division one or a division two athlete. And when you come to that realization is once you start having personal contact, with coaches at Division One, Division Two, or I should have said NAIA uh, institutions as well. Um, it is a very simple process. It does take about an hour um, to complete everything. There's a series of questions you have to answer. You will have to submit unofficial transcripts initially. You'll have to submit board scores um, if you choose to take the board scores, or if you do, if you choose to take the uh, the boards, being the SAT, ACT. Um, you can also, when you register for the um, eligibility center if you take the boards after that you can you can always pick and choose colleges you want those uh, scores sent to you can also have them sent directly to the eligibility center their four digit code is 9999 um, and those scores are automatically reported to the ncaa eligibility center um, your high school guidance counselor should be an excellent resource um, if there's anything that you need from, from them, guidance that you need, copies of transcripts to be sent, so on and so forth. Um, so that's something you can work on with your high school guidance counselor. But again, my general answer is once you realize that you are going get, that there's an opportunity and the potential for you to be a Division One or Division Two athlete, if you are only being contacted by Division Three schools, um, there may not be the need to register. And, you know, at the end of the day, it saves you 80 bucks because there is a registration fee involved with it. So um, anything you guys want to add to that? Yeah, so at the at the NCAA level, um, Division One, Division Two, there are two major things that cannot happen until you have the eligibility center ID, one being an official visit 
and two being an actual scholarship offer. Um, you know, you can get NLI. a verbal offer. You can't sign an NLI. Yep. You can get yep. an offer, no NLI. Yep. You can get a verbal offer, but you cannot actually sign a scholarship until Correct. you have that. So um, that's where I would say when it becomes the most important part is making sure that if, if some if a school wants you to visit, you need to have that um, because you, they cannot do an official visit without that. At the NAIA level, since I've been at both levels, um, the NAIA level, you could get to school without one um, and you could you could fill out your profile. You know, as long as you get it filled out in the fall, you're going to be fine. Obviously, that creates a little bit of a, a nightmare headache scenario for the for the coaching staff. So you do want to maybe get that done before you before you start attending the school. Um, but it's not as urgent. You can still sign a letter of intent and you can still visit the campus without uh, an eligibility ID at the NAIA level. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for adding that in there, uh, Jesse. Um, last question. And this is actually a great, this is a great almost follow-up to what we just talked about. What's the difference between an official visit and an unofficial visit and how many of each can you take? Okay. So the difference between an unofficial visit and an official visit, when you go for an official visit to a school, you have some portion, if not the entirety of the costs involved with that visit paid for by the host institution. That could be airfare, bus fare, um, meals, um, entertainment, um, things like that. Any portion, if any portion of the visit is paid for by the institution, there's monetary value to it that they, that they take on that is then considered an official visit. Division one, you are allowed to take five official visits. That's it. An unofficial visit, you are funding the visit, the transportation to, there is no portion of it that's paid for by the institution. You can receive complimentary admission to uh, athletic events, um, but there is nothing paid for by the institution and with unofficial visits it is unlimited how many you can take and that that's between that's between um any school and you can take multiple unofficial visits to the same school so if you're getting recruited by uh if you're getting recruited by big state university and you want to go in the fall and watch practice um, and, and so on and so forth. And you're doing that on your own, you can go. And then if you want to go back in, in the spring and catch a game because you're really interested and you're doing that on your own and you talk like you can do that too. And that's what, so you can certainly do that. But so it's unlimited unofficial visits because you are footing the bill for it. It's five official visits because the institution or institutions are footing some part or all of the bill for it um that's a division one any of you guys want to chime in on anything else was my mic on while i answered that guys yeah you were good i just i think you did a did a good job at explaining that there and, and going through that okay awesome awesome um well with that folks um, this has been great. There's been some good questions that have come through. I don't have any more on uh, the Sports Force DM or my personal DM. Any of you guys have any additional questions that have come through? I did not have anything else. Um, just wanted to thank you three specifically for answering some of these questions and, and helping uh, 
educate the masses, as I like to say, uh, on the recruiting process. And, and thank you for everybody who tuned in and asked questions as well. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, again, if, if, the, if working with Sports Force is something that you're interested in and you feel like you need some help, you feel like you need some guidance, feel free to click that link um, in the profile page. Uh, in my profile page, you can get a free eval and we can take a look at some things. Um, and if you're interested in, um, doing a little bit more in-depth look as far as where you are, where you might fit in a, in a formal evaluation is from a third party, shoot me a DM and, um, I can send you information on my calendar where you can sign up for that. Um, again, at $199, um, for, for the zoom meeting and, and for, uh, that consultation, um, with that. Stay tuned um, and, and keep following us because we're going to be doing more of these educational things. We're going to uh, in Twitter spaces. We're going to be doing one, I believe, this coming Sunday night that uh, that should go up where you can set reminders this coming Sunday night. I believe our topic is recruiting pitchers um, where we'll sit there and we'll specifically talk about recruiting pitchers and, and what schools are looking for and, and how they evaluate and so on and so forth. So with that being said, Zach, Jesse, Matt. Thank you very much for taking the time today to uh, to join us. Um, when this recording uh, comes out shortly, um, we will do a giveaway for anybody that retweets um, the the space uh, for others to listen to. So um, you know, watch for that to be available to retweet, and um, we will um, will do a giveaway with some free educational materials. Um, so just watch for that to happen. But other than that, folks, thanks a lot for joining in uh, today. And uh, we hope to see you back soon and, uh, and hope that today was beneficial for you. And we appreciate your interaction as well. So with that, have a great day um, and we'll talk soon. Take care.